Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Apex Perdido. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? Oh, it's going spectacular. What a race today. Well, Max Verstappen, Sebastian Vettel, and Lewis Hamilton all at the front with a long run to turn one. What could go wrong? Oh, nothing except for, of course, almost everything, as long as you were someone who wasn't named Max Verstappen. I know. Given that it was meant to be a boring run-in on a track with no overtaking, we didn't get a bad show in the end. Oh, we got a spectacular show. I mean, not to give too much of the game away too early on, but we had two of the fastest cars essentially coming from the back to the front. And as a result, everything else in between was all mixed up as well. Fantastic. And somebody said to me, Spanners, please don't be too smug on the show that Lewis Hamilton has wrapped up his fourth world title. So I'll get it all out of the way at the front end as a lifelong Formula One fan and a fan of all the British teams and British drivers to have a four-time world champion. Yes, I am beside myself with joy. I'm delighted. This is the peak of my Formula One fandom so far. There, it's out of the way for the rest of the show. We are an independent podcast hosted by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. We are joined by Autosport journalist extraordinaire Chris Stevens. How's it going, Sparkles? It's going uh, wonderful. I've just got done with all my reports and everything from the Grand Prix and looking forward to talking about it all on the show. I love having you guys on that do proper race reviews because you get on the podcast and it's all still fresh in your mind. Yeah, and especially for the evening races as well. I literally did it an hour ago, so this will be good. And joining us as well, completely outdoing me for Day of the Dead costumes, Bradley Philpott. How's it going, Brad? 
It's going very well. Good evening, everyone. You've rained on my parade. I came on here with my Day of the Dead face paint and you're in a full Halloween costume. I'm sorry. It's it's just cheating a bit, isn't it? Because I already had this prepared. But um, yeah, sorry. And someone who celebrates Halloween every day in his darkened dungeon, Ryan Ferret Ferris. What's up, Spanners? How's it going? Are you talking through a Halloween mask, Ryan? Sort of. You're the worst. And hi to the live stream as well. If you want to join the live chat, why not go to YouTube and search for Missed Apex Podcast. Click the subscribe tab. There's a little bell there. You'll get a notification every time we go live. Well, Matt, it was pretty much, again, Verstappen versus the big, awful, nasty stewards. Yeah, it it pretty much was. The start of the race featured even more Verstappen controversy. Not the start of the race so much, but the start of the race weekend, which is, I assume, where you'd like to start. Oh, the qualifying debacle. He he clearly impeded Bottas. Throw him to the hounds, I say. Uh, I, I wasn't even there yet, but no, no, he did not. Bottas got distracted by a shiny thing and wanted to blame it all on someone besides his lame self. Yes, but but even before that, uh, he got into a bit of hot water with the stewards because of the comments he made after the US Grand Prix. And I didn't actually catch it before our review, but he pretty much called the steward an idiot, which in my mind amounts to doxing. And and in fact, it kind of led to death threats to that steward as well. Did it now? I I would think just in general terms, it's sort of like if you're in court and you've done the naughty thing and the judge has pronounced your sentence and then you call them an idiot, you're just inviting trouble that you don't really need in your life. Didn't seem to be the most clever of things I'd ever seen him done. But fair enough, he was probably also fairly irritated as the, the whole FIA and the track limits thing was far from consistent, no matter what Charlie Whiting and the official pronouncements of the poobahs say. Sparkles, he said, flat out Charlie Whiting did, that there was no inconsistency. Like, they really stuck to their guns. Yes, well, the way they measured, uh, you know, whether you gained an advantage uh, was by uh, the the little mini loops. And they had one at turn 19 and at turn uh, 10. Where or turn nine, I should say, on that track where everyone was running wide, and they said nobody gained an advantage in doing so, which raises the question: Why are the drivers going out there and 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 doing that then? But if it's what they're saying, then you kind of kind of have to take that face value. Well, that's completely mental because they're comparing it to other drivers that have already driven off track. So of course, no one is gaining advantage. They should make them drive around properly in the limits and then see if there's a difference. If they wish to gather some data, as it were. Um, yeah, and that said, if there was really no inconsistencies in the rules, why suddenly all the extra lawn furniture all over the outside of the track when we get to Mexico? Um, I, my personal view is that the whole uh, Charlie Whiting statement of there are no inconsistencies is it's a little bit useless when you're you're allowing people to drive off the track a lot of the time regardless of the side of the track it's on um i know they can argue they were consistent in terms of corner cutting but corner cutting isn't the only way to gain an advantage by driving off the track so um i I really didn't uh didn't really um believe in his comments there well i think the uh the main thing that was sort of sparking the uh argument was that carlos Sainz did the same thing earlier on in the race where uh he too, at the same corner, had all falls off, uh, four wheels off the circuit. But the difference was he didn't actually make 
he didn't actually make the pass on that corner. So. Also, he wasn't attempting to overtake a Ferrari. But let's move away from the US Grand Prix and onto the Mexican Grand Prix, because I think the big talking point in qualifying, Matt, was indeed Max Verstappen again. And did he, did he impede Valtteri Bottas? No. Okay, so I'll make the case then to Chris Stevens, because Chris was very passionate that Max Verstappen did nothing wrong. But I think it's clear to me that Valtteri Bottas had to take a different line on that lap than he had done on previous laps. Now, this was brought to my attention by racing analyst Alex Jeansy Van Jean. You're not going to go uh, against that legend, are you, Chris? Who said that Bottas had been previously going a lot further on that curb before turning right. So if you've caused him to go a, right a lot earlier, you've impeded him. So to me, it's black and white. He certainly did impede him. No, he didn't. No, I'm sorry. Let me, let me just ask you what you think Max should have done in that situation. In in all seriousness, it is a tight and narrow part of that track. Where else is he meant to go? He was way over to the left-hand side. I, I don't know what more he could have done. So, uh, yeah, go on, Brad, because from uh, my point of my... <laughs> Sorry, mate. I agree with you. Um, I agree with you that he, um, he caused Bottas to drive a slightly different line to what he had done in previous laps. But I would disagree that that constitutes impeding because from so from my point of view, as soon as I heard that there was a controversy about this, I went back and watched the onboard from Bottas, having not seen the original clip. And I hadn't seen Bottas's line through there on other laps. And watching the onboard, it didn't look to me like Verstappen was really in the way. It looked like the line that Bottas took was quite a natural line to move over to the right. Now, it might be that ideally... And ordinarily, he would have just stayed on the curb slightly longer. But you're talking tiny, marginal fractions. And I I agree. I don't think Verstappen could have done a whole lot more to get out of the way. And I think if Bottas hadn't been distracted and locked a wheel, um, he would have just continued on regardless. There has to be some limit to what constitutes impeding. And from my point of view, that was that was not a big enough of a, a problem for, for Bottas that there should have been a penalty there. So I, I agree with the decision to not penalise him. Um, sorry, not to penalise Verstappen, obviously. I, I think, you know, Max could have rolled forward a little bit further uh, and therefore not have caused, uh, caused this to happen. Or if not, he could have, I know it sounds a little bit stupid, but, you know, pulled to the side a a tiny bit more into the runoff because I mean it's an unused circuit pretty much so it's not going to be much dustier offline than it is there Chris I I mean that is a fair point we saw certainly in the US GP people were just jumping off the track to get out of we saw Lewis Hamilton do it in qualifying just to get out of the way of the people on their hot laps that is because the circuit of the Americas is one of the most used tracks I can think of it has so many different uh, series visiting it that just the entire space gets gets used very regularly that's why it's so bumpy whereas mexico is the complete opposite it gets very it's very rarely used that means that as soon as you go offline it's dirty disgusting horrible off-track debris i mean you saw in fp1 this this dust that was coming up from from that it's just evidence of, of of that so for me even just going offline you know you're already compromising yourself going into the runoff you're just going to wreck the preparation for your for your tyres and I got to say it's what there was really no need for Bottas to abandon that lap. I think we've seen many many times it, it's good to get a banker lap in, and that's exactly what he should have done. He'd done ninety percent of a lap and and decided to to just give up. And Mercedes made 
a massive fuss about it. Well, I suppose it wasn't helped by Verstappen's GPS being broken and the team having absolutely no way of knowing where Hamilton, sorry, where Bottas was on the track. Is that was that right, Chris? Well, no. that is news to me. No, because it's not news because they knew exactly where Bottas was on the track. So that unit, that entity of Max Verstappen's car, that chassis number has a responsibility to not be in the way. And Mercedes tweeted that Verstappen was dawdling and he's dawdled into the path of Bottas. Now, had he dawdled even a slightly bit more, we would definitely be talking about impeding. So he's cut it very, very fine. And that's the job of of these guys to cut things close to the margin. I mean, of course, Mercedes are going to say he was dawdling. Trumpets, what else stood out in qualifying for you? Well, I think for me, the biggest thing was the um, was the death of of Hartley's turbo. And you're going to say, why was that important? Well, if you think about it, it was Verstappen on a lap and held up by the yellow flags that that Hartley's uh, car going kaput brought out. And when he fired it back up to do his hot lap, that was the fastest lap he turned. And suddenly he was on a completely different idea of about how to go fast for the final quality uh, final session of quality. Just got to give kudos to the chat room there. Daniel Jury says, no, Max couldn't have gone on off track. Max isn't allowed off the circuit, remember? Winky face. It's a great point. It's a great <laughs> comment. Uh, Chris? It's it's interesting you bring up the, the difference in tyre preparation because in Q3, both Red Bull drivers went for that second preparation lap, whereas the others were trying to do it, um, it, it immediately as soon as they uh, came out of the pits. And what was so bizarre about that was what happened with Daniel Ricciardo. Because he said that just no matter what he tried, he could not get the tires into the, the proper window. And that's why he ended up P7. He, he used the words confusing, frustrated, helpless, even, to describe that qualifying session. Ryan, was that a noise? Well, the mu- the musical chairs that was happening with uh, Gasly uh, deciding, is he or isn't he going to go for qualifying? And then also the stunning performance that uh, Alonso managed to pull out as well in qualifying. Yeah, and Matt, how come they didn't start work on that Toro Rosso and they'd kind of given up completely and then they had a last-minute panic to try and get it done? I actually don't know the full story on that. Personally, like watching it occur in front of my eyes, it looked like it was just a prank, like there was no way the car was ever going to be ready. But they were like, hey, it's a new kid. He don't know no better. Well, let's let's make him jump into his race uniform for no reason whatsoever because we're bored. And after it's that, a new they, apprentice. And after that, they sent him to the stores for a long wait exactly all right let's talk about the race that happened it was quite good okay matt normally we start with asking you where the race was won and lost but when you have a turn one like that as we did in singapore let's start with whose fault is this because we had the predictable three-way smash between sebastian vettel and Max Verstappen, and also contact with Lewis Hamilton. You couldn't write a better start than that. I'd love to get Chris's take on that first incident because it looked initially as if Vettel, uh, sorry, as if Vettel had forced Max off track and then Max had come back on the track and gained an advantage and overtaken him. I haven't seen the overheads yet, but how did you see that? No, I, Verstappen definitely had a wheel on, on the track uh, during that 
uh, maneuver. So it was 100% Luger. And it was just astonishing that determination from Verstappen. You know, we, we know that he's a driver who likes to get his nose stuck in there and he doesn't give up um, too easily. And on occasion, it's really backfired. But here, it paid off in the biggest possible way. It won him the race, uh, effectively. And where it gets very controversial for me is, is turn three between Lewis and, and Seb. Because people were talking about if Seb did this deliberately, which I think is utterly ridiculous. Now, I want to talk to Brad about how it went into turn three. Because when there was that sort of kerfuffle between Vettel and Max early on, if you look at the onboard from Lewis Hamilton, he seemed to have placed himself perfectly and waited perfectly to get onto the gas and pulled off just an incredible undercut that put him on the outside for turn three. Yeah, I thought, first of all, uh, Verstappen's first corner was unbelievable. Um, I was off my sofa um, cheering when I saw him do that because it was right on the edge, but I've seen the onboard. He always had at least one tyre fully on the track, so there's no question there. Um, and yeah, turn three, Hamilton, especially from the helicopter view or from the, the overhead view, just absolutely judged it perfectly. And unfortunately, we were robbed of uh, potentially a more exciting race by just Vettel being clumsy. Um, I've seen a lot of people uh, mention that he did it deliberately, and I've even seen some people uh, post some onboard video of Vettel's turning left towards Hamilton, which he did, um, but that's because he was he was oversteering towards him. Um, I think personally, it would have been ludicrous to um, to say that that was deliberate. It was always going to hurt him, um, especially when he had to get a top two finish at the end of the race to to do well. Yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question. You being like a proper driver and everything like that, it looked like to me he was trying to get on the throttle maybe a little bit too early because Hamilton was already properly by him. And then it looked like Hamilton was actually held up a little bit by Verstappen. Yeah, exactly. So Vettel just misjudged. He's done this a few times this season. I've been a little bit disappointed by Vettel's judgment in a few um, close racing situations, obviously Singapore being the major one. Um, He just misjudged. Hamilton did exactly the right thing. He saw that um, the gap was closing and he just lifted to avoid making contact with Verstappen. Um, I don't think he fully managed that, but certainly didn't do any major damage. And Vettel just didn't seem to see that happening in front of him. Um, he just assumed everyone was going to accelerate away as normal and just basically drove clean into the back of Hamilton. Um, it was fully Vettel's fault, that that major contact that damaged his wing and, and punctured Hamilton's tyre. And it was disappointing that once again, I was really hoping for once we'd get all these key players actually into the race so we could see them battle each other and fight as the race went on uh, unfortunately it didn't happen yeah it is a, a huge i was so looking forward to seeing what uh, two of the greatest drivers of this generation plus the up-and-coming rising star of max verstappen could do in a three-way fight for the lead of a race and, and much like in you know the way that this championship has very much gone against uh, the fans uh, this race, the championship deciding race, went away from us uh, as well, which I think was a, a huge shame. Don't say up and coming star in front of Bradley Philpot. You are very much of the opinion, Brad, aren't you, that Verstappen is the finished article ready to go? I mean, there's always small margins and things that people can learn as the years go on. But I think today, once again, demonstrated that Verstappen is as good as anyone. Um, you know, he can even just pumping the the fastest laps. I know Vettel ultimately beat his fastest lap, but um, he's he's out there with enough spare mental capacity to just, you know, almost just have fun. I love that. Um, I think Verstappen is, I've said this on our private chat, I think he is the uh, going to be breaking all the records 
as the years go on. I think he is Lewis's natural heir as the person I want to watch, the person I actually tune into Formula One to see what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying earlier, you know, you you found that you were tuning in today to see the talents of Lewis Hamilton. The draw in future years over the next decade will be to see Max Verstappen, I'm of no doubt. And and it is already, actually. I already is kind of merging across. I like to see, it used to be Montoya for me back in the day, and then Hamilton came along, and now it's kind of a crossover between Hamilton and Verstappen. They're the people that are, and and Alonso, actually. Um, They're the guys that I love watching. It used to be Montoya, Montoya, then something tragically hit his head as he was casually walking down in the paddock. Poor guy, the end of his career. Uh, In the chat room, uh, On The Gas says, yeah, Vettel was chasing his rear end, Bradley Philpot, glad you're here. Because if you were a little uneducated and you were just looking on the old boards and, you know, we've got the history of Michael Schumacher turning into Damon Hill on a championship decider, it could look like he was trying to steer in and just punt him and just going, well, I've got to do something. Uh, but obviously you're there with the racing experience to know, no, he was just snatching it back. And Vettel, obviously this season has history of deliberately hitting Hamilton, but it's a slightly different situation. It wasn't when he hit him back in Baku it wasn't to try and take him out of the no, race. It was in yeah. angry frustration at what he saw as a bit of injustice. But it does show that he has the capability of crashing into a car on purpose, but I don't think this was one of those occasions. So Lewis wasn't entirely out of order for saying, did he? Did he hit me deliberately? No, he hit him pretty hard. And and it was Vettel's fault. So, Well, you know, we we got to give uh, Verstappen some glory as it's going to be his last race win now that Kvyat's gone. But, you <sighs> know... Um, uh, all joking aside, I personally think Verstappen was the cause of that accident because, you, you know, I mean, the onboard footage doesn't give it justice. It's the overhead shot that sort of really sort of pinpoints how much Verstappen wiping the nose of Hamilton slowed up Hamilton. Uh, I just think, you, you know, it, it, it didn't slow him a bit. It slowed Hamilton up quite a lot, but the onboard footage doesn't seem to show that. Yeah, but you also have to remember that Verstappen was involved in his own battle, so he wasn't doing the optimal things that he wanted to do. You can't blame Verstappen for an incident that happens three cars back. He's just doing exactly the right thing um, for his own position. Uh, it's up to Vettel to use his eyes and, and monitor that situation and react accordingly. So, Matt, that put us in actually quite a nice situation in that there was something interesting to follow because my initial instinct was Hamilton is out. He was falling down the field and we've seen it so many times when a rear tyre goes, it rips the floor to shreds, they don't make it all the way round. And it wasn't apparent that Sebastian Vettel needed that new nose cone. So we could have been looking at Vettel getting a first or second and the championship going to Brazil. Yeah, it it looked that way, but the amount of carbon fiber on the track kind of told you that he was going to need a repair. Uh, But the biggest damage wasn't to Hamilton's tire. I think it was to his diffuser. He lost uh, an enormous chunk of it when Vettel contacted him. And that led to a whole host of problems for him later in the race, trying to make time and keep up with Vettel and keep his uh, championship hopes intact. Yeah. And then, of course, we saw Ferrari come out in the pit lane with the nose. So we knew that they were both going to end up behind. But also, Signs took a bit of a knock as well, Matt. Yeah. Was it, was it a knock or was it just tire damage from all the debris on the track? I didn't, I didn't see a replay of that particular incident. Brad? Oh, I was just, I was motioning a spinning action because I heard that Signs spun in the middle sector. I saw um yellow flag for sector two for quite a while. And then Signs came in with really flat spotted tires, but I don't know why he spun. 
Yeah, so then the scene was set, Chris. We had this great battle of these these two guys trying to get through the field. Now, Vettel started catching people and, and getting past them reasonably easily to start with, but Hamilton was just stuck behind signs. Yeah, it's an odd one. I know we've kind of theorised about how the Mercedes handles in, in dirty air in the past, uh, and maybe it's time we revisited that because certainly you would look at the two separate performances today and they would seem quite a clear case in in that in that example so simultaneously you were both completely wrong and actually kind of right so congratulations <laughs> in the instance of hamilton and his performance today so much of that was due to his loss of downforce not only did he lose a inplate on his front wing but I mean, when I say chunk of a diffuser, and that's the area, the right corner and the left corner that they've been developing quite a lot, entirely gone, just like missing entirely. And that's going to that's gonna cost him a lot of performance. And if you think about the layout of the track, right before you have the DRS and the straight, you have the stadium section. And he wasn't able to keep up with, he was barely able to keep up with a Renault, much less with the faster cars later in the race. And that was all down to losing time through that stadium section. Yeah, I was going to make the point about the the downforce as well. But it's interesting, you know, that stadium section, you know, Vettel was having to contend with that um, as well. So is that the Ferrari's superior traction uh, aiding uh, Vettel in, in that scenario as well? But then you would consider the Mercedes has got uh, the best engine as well, but then the slipstream isn't quite as powerful in Mexico because the air is so thin up there because you're nearly 8,000 feet above sea level. There are so many different factors that you have to kind of um, take in. I think the fact that Lewis lost so much more time because he had a puncture, you know, he was already on the back foot, as it were, and having to come through so many more uh, cars. Yeah, th- that didn't help at all, but consider that they put him on the soft tire which is the most difficult tire to bring up to temperature. And he was missing arrow. And in fact, he was missing so much arrow that he was regularly actually having to let the DRS go early on the straights to reattach the airflow so that he would have proper arrow into, into turn one, two, and three. It, and it just goes to show you that that kind of damage, we, I've seen, we've seen cars that chew through their floor and they drive fine. And then, then something like this happens, and it completely throws the car out of balance. And, and that's clearly what had happened to Hamilton's car today. But that said, you're not wrong. The Mercedes did struggle in traffic, and it did struggle with cooling, especially in dirty air. But I think other cars struggled more. I think that's a, a, a fair point um, as as well. And also with the soft tire as well you got to consider that, that a lot of people have been struggling to get their tires into the operating window. That soft tire, as you said, being the, the toughest one, even though the track was 42, 43, 45 um, degrees, that smooth surface, it really does make it such a tough job to get your tire into that operating window. Right. If you were going to look at Mercedes, that would be, that would be the one thing you'd say, you'd wonder why they didn't necessarily stick them on the super soft, especially if, well, maybe they only had one left. Did they only have one left? They that didn't I, have any left. They had one new set of super softs, but they didn't have any ultras left. That I know. I think, well, I think the plan was then to go just to the end of the race. But then I think the VSC changed that. Yeah. So I was going to say, so Mercedes make the decision to go soft and Vettel also went on to the softs. And we think they could have got to the end of the race there. But I was kind of disappointed because I thought that meant 
he won't really be challenging towards the end of the race. Well, neither of them will be. They'll be nursing very old soft tyres. It's not like a Sochi situation with Rosberg and his magic tyres when he locked up on turn one. Well, it was never going to be the magic tyres because we had a radio message even before the virtual safety car that they were working on a second option for Lewis because he was saying these tyres don't feel like they're going to last. And they said, don't worry about it. We, we have, have another, another we have yeah. another we have another thing working. And then the, right around then was when he finally got by sign. So I think he'd been trying to save his tires because he knew he had to make them last. But it, that was not a workable strategy because of the damage to the car. All right. So the next major thing that happens is the virtual safety car. And that kind of rescues Hamilton because that's what he was going to do anyway. But I could not keep track of what was happening in that in that series of events around the safety car. I think was Stroll the only person to stay out? No, Stroll Stroll actually came in. Now, here's the thing. You want to talk about something interesting that's not related to the dead front of the field. We had, recall, Ocon running in third until Raikkonen caught him. And then we had Hulkenberg. And then we had Perez. And behind him, we had Stroll. And what happened was Perez got to around three seconds on Hulkenberg, lap 19. And so they brought him in for the undercut, which worked reasonably well. He was down to one and a half seconds. Hulkenberg answered lap 20. And then lap 21, the end of, they bring in Ocon for a tire change. Now, this is interesting because Stroll stayed out and ran with the leaders on the Ultrasofts, all of whom took advantage of the virtual safety car to go on to a new set of tires. And Ocon had the gap, had he come in in front of, he was behind. Stroll, when Stroll came in, they stayed out. As a result, they got the position, but they were completely unable to make a gap or defend themselves from Vettel when he came around on his new tires. If they run Ocon with the leaders, he could have come in ahead of Stroll and maybe made up some real time and kept Vettel from getting as far ahead as he did. See, the real winners in that virtual safety car, it was Raikkonen being able to get the podium off Ocon. Stroll securing that fifth place and Kevin Magnussen uh, as well, because he got himself as high up as um, sixth or or seventh um, in the end there. By contrast, really, really hurt Marcus Ericsson, who was running in about uh, eighth place before he came in and ended up stuck down in 13th as as a result. And that was a really good opportunity for Sauber to score some points today. Yeah, but they wouldn't have finished anyway because his engine got barbecued. No, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but... Ryan? Yeah, and Ericsson, amazingly enough, hasn't scored points since uh, Monza 2015. Yeah, that's what having the worst car on the grid will do for you. (laughs) Okay, let's take a short break there and speak to Brad. Brad, we like talking to you as a person who genuinely has had and still does have a career and racing interests in motorsport. Uh, Tell us what you've been up to. You've been uh, at the Nürburgring a lot. You've sent us lots of videos of crashes and smashes and races. It looks very, very exciting in that category. Um, Yeah, we've just actually finished the championship. Um, We had our last race last weekend, so we're done now until March. But um, we were basically debuting the, the Peugeot 308 GTI TCR car this year. And unfortunately, despite having an open goal to finish second in the championship at the last race, um, we finished third in the championship. Um, we had a similar thing to Lewis today. We only had to finish fifth, um, and that should have been a walk in the park. 
unfortunately, um, a back marker saw to it that we ended our race in the barriers. Um, I was sat in the pitch safely whilst my teammate took that hit. And uh, so we eventually finished third in the championship. But anyway, that's what we've been doing this year. Um, it's been good. And we've got more of the same next year, um, providing my uh, potential sponsors come good, which I think they will. Point people to your YouTube channel, Bradley, because when you do the onboards in there, they are genuinely crisp, clear onboards. And people can actually see the work that you do with your hands that you have talked about in the Bradley Philpot masterclasses here on Missed Apex. So my YouTube channel is at braddude2k. That's spelt B-R-A-D-U-D-E 2K. You can tell that was one that was made around the same time as my Hotmail, which is your groovy brother. But um, anyway, uh, just search for Bradley Phil, but you'll find that um, on on uh, YouTube. However, um, you mentioned the onboards. Um, onboards from VLN races at the Nürburgring, I don't have the rights. I haven't paid the 4,000 euros or whatever it is to to have the broadcast rights for those. So if you check out the Net Motorsport uh, YouTube page, that's where you'll find those onboards. Um, or, or I just share them on Facebook. So I can, I'm can i allowed to share other people's stuff. I just can't post it on my own channel. Um, or follow me on Twitter, at Bradley Philpott, and you'll see me retweeting stuff there as well. I think but thanks you- for asking. We need to get you out to the Nürburgring at some point, Spanish. Oh, I would I would love to at some point. I wish I did not have this job these stupid kids, these demands on my time, but I would absolutely love a trip out to Germany at some point. But Brad, I think you got away with it, really, with uh, Brad Dude. I've got a friend who was in a band called Renegade at the age of 16, and he got six-inch high letters all the way up his abdomen that say Renegade. I don't think he even plays guitar anymore. Uh, nice. Chris, Chris Stevens, uh, how are you getting on, mate? What are you reporting with? Formula Spy? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, just got done with the Formula Spy stuff. I actually spent most of today working out how many miles I've travelled in 2017 to get to racing events. Okay, how many is it? 12,695 miles. How many spanners is that? Oh, I can't remember how many spanners. (laughs) I haven't worked it out. I can tell you what it is in London bus lengths. Tell me. It's about 12,250,000 or something like that, or uh, 14 and a half times the length of the UK. Excellent. We'll catch up with the rest of the panel in just a short while. Matt, one of the main beauties of the race today, apart from the fact that we had the two leaders at the back, we had a tight that uh, a tight and twisty kind of almost like the equivalent in F1 of an indoor kart circuit where you needed a big delta to overtake. Lewis Hamilton said it was 1.4 seconds. So, so often we've seen these modern front running cars when they've been at the back cruise their way up to fifth, fourth, third, but not today. Today, they had to fight for every single place, whether they were going past signs, Ericsson or Massa and that made it actually quite a spectacle we got to see some real racing driving talent today yeah we did and um I gotta say it it would be hard to pick the the best of the battles but it might have to be Hamilton versus Alonso it was just incredible I mean Alonso was steely in his defense and I just loved that he managed to find the strength for that to really matter Brad as Hamilton was on his left-hand side, you could see his helmet really precisely working out exactly how wide he could hang it before going into the apex. It was just masterful on that first lap. It was lovely watching Alonso and um, and Hamilton battle cleanly, which 
I love the fact that they they've got so much respect for each other. And and actually, yeah, through the race, there was generally pretty decent fighting, wasn't there? There weren't any massively blatant, you know, running someone right off the track. There was m- the Massa incident where he he kind of had an oversteer moment into Vettel that he wasn't very happy with, but. Aside from that, unless someone can point one out to me, I actually really enjoyed the fighting today. I was, you know, talking to my completely uninterested girlfriend really excitedly <laughs> uh, as I was watching those battles. And did she say, "Yes, Bradley, tell me all about the Formula One racy racy cars"? She was like, "Stop making me watch these tea trays go around in circles." Ryan, what stood out for you for the driver battles? Well, the thing is, you know, the as we've already said about the Alonso Hamilton, you just had this glimmer of hope that Hamilton wasn't just going to breeze past under DRS and you just knew that if Alonso had any chance he was going to do something and boy wasn't it entertaining yeah you know what my favorite part of that whole overtake was after Hamilton was by Alonso on the radio oh do you think he might have gone off the track there it was brilliant but with no malice at all, was it? It was just he was just doing his job thoroughly. He was just making sure there wasn't any opportunity uh, left to try and get by. And he stuck with him, didn't he? Did you see how he just he used that really decent chassis on the McLaren to hang on to the back of Hamilton just in case there was an opportunity? Oh boy! If McLaren haven't been beating the "we've got the best chassis" drum enough over the course of the season, they really hit it hard today uh, this weekend with Alonso definitely claiming they would have been P1 like he did in Belgium had they only had a decent power unit. But Chris, he got really close and fighty, and I'm surprised he didn't lose his nose and Hamilton have had another puncher in that battle. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's exactly what you'd see if Hamilton and Alonso were, were teammates um, again. But on the Vettel Massa incident, you know, Vettel went all four wheels off the track, passed him, and kept that position, and there was not even a word of it from the stewards. Which, in all honesty, I was quite surprised by. I don't know if anybody else felt the same, but that I, I, I raised an eyebrow at that one. Yeah, I, I completely felt the same way about it and put it in my race report at the time. I was really surprised that at the very least they didn't look at it and give us a decent reason why he should have been allowed to keep that position. But regarding McLaren, is it too early to bring up the fact that they're going to go to the engine supplier that only one of six engines finished the race today? Or do but we have one of the race? Reason? It won the race. And uh, no, uh, no, that was a tag Hoyer. Yeah, we will get to that in any other business, Matt. <laughs> but I do want to kind okay. of dwell on the racing incidents a little bit because I found it out absolutely astonishing that, that Vettel didn't get told to give that position back or get a penalty. So to get Brad's point of view on that, I mean, you could argue Vettel was slightly ahead as they were going in. But when the braking zone was, you know, deep into that braking phase and Massa had done everything to get alongside. They were alongside each other, and then he ran Vettel out wide. So, This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why on earth was it considered okay for Vettel to then just pop back in and take that place? So at the time when I um, heard Vettel on the radio mention something about being ahead and then they immediately showed the onboard, sorry, not the onboard, the uh, overhead replay, which showed he wasn't ahead at the point where he kind of went off the track. I was a little bit dubious and I thought the same as you guys that he's not going to be allowed to keep that. And then when they showed Massa's onboard, he had some pretty serious oversteer and and did really, you know, he really did drive Vettel off the track. It was it was Massa's mistake. Massa lost control at that point and it kind of left Vettel nowhere to go. Now, if we're being completely consistent and any time you go all four wheels off the track and gain an advantage, you can argue Vettel definitely gained an advantage there. He passed him off track. So I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It's quite a close call, but I mean, if you're looking at it in black and white terms, then he did pass him all four wheels off the track. And this is why you should put grass right on the edge of the track and if you need a run a runoff area there, leave it one or two meters further. That we would not be having this discussion. And then maybe Massa would have got a penalty for forcing another driver off track, or you know, we might have been speaking about this the other way around. Well, technically, the pass didn't actually happen off track because Vettel came back onto the track, <laughs> then did the pass. So, and he was going into the corner ahead, but then Massa then had his oversteer off the track, and then I think you know. Vettel could have just drove straight off the uh, off over the grass and then gone. That's it. I'm taking that place. But he forced his way back on. Then did the overtake. Okay, so I'm gonna say words that are uncomfortable. I want everyone to give me a bit of sympathy. Good point, Ryan. Ow, that hurt. Okay, yeah, it was quite similar to 2008. Kimi Raikkonen and Lewis Hamilton. Chris. Uh, no, I'm gonna squash the point by by saying he was only in that position because he went off the track. And actually, are you, are you talking about Spa? Yes. There? Yeah. Okay. See, in that one, this one still kind of irks me a little bit because Lewis did the the right thing in in that scenario, which was that he gave the position. Oh back. yeah, of course so, he did. Yeah. But so it doesn't say he has to, you know, then leave the the same amount of time. He gave the position back. <laughs> yeah, you, isn't I just giving it back? Apparently, you have to give it back well enough. Yeah, so it's a good point. I actually, you know, thinking about it, I'd like to have a nice look at it again. I can see Brad leaning in towards the mic. But is it possible that even if it was Massa's fault punting him off, Vettel actually came back on the track behind and then made a legitimate move? 
I need to watch it back again to be completely sure. Um, but I didn't think it was completely clear cut either way. I was actually leaning into the mic just to say Lewis was robbed. Spa 2008. <laughs> Hashtag 44. Uh, but yeah, isn't it funny though, Matt? It is a little mini topic. The battle of the number twos that never was. Because in this kind of end of the season, we've been looking at Raikkonen and Bottas to see who would be able to play a role in the championship. And actually, today, they were both ideally poised to help out had Bottas, uh, sorry, had Hamilton and Vettel been able to get through the field any quicker. Yeah, well, it was it was never really going to be on the math wasn't on Vettel's side. They were too far away. But yeah, you know, for a fact that Raikkonen would have would have had to have given that position back had he gotten close enough. Um, and Botas, by contrast, Botas. did everything. Wait, you want me to say it different? I want to say, yeah, I want to say it the right way. Botas. There you go. Happy, happy all you game players. Happy all you game players. Take a drink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> he, he was not only did he, uh, take uh, P2 and defend it from admittedly no one, but still he managed to not lose it. He had pace. And I think critically at the first turn, he was in a position where his nose was about to overlap Lewis's rear end. And Lewis took that full apex and Botas backed out just enough. Yes. So that there was no contact ahem for India. <laughs> yeah, but that was key. And, and it was almost a shame that these lieutenants didn't get to play their role because at the end as well, I mean, we were all assuming, weren't we? I'm not the only one who was just assuming that Max Verstappen's engine was going to blow up. And then that would have left Raikkonen in second place. So, you know, Bottas was kind of easing away, but but Raikkonen's pace suddenly disappeared to the point that if Max Verstappen's engine did blow up, Chris, they were going to be in a position to swap. I mean, if I were Red Bull, I'd have been checking all the numbers on Verstappen's car very, very carefully. Uh, indeed but to be honest i am quite surprised by the progress vettel was able to make i was expecting more of what lewis uh got really for 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 the pair of them i'm actually surprised lewis got back into the point at all because we know it's very hard to to overtake so really i didn't think we were going to see that scenario unfold at all to be honest hey brad martin brundle was very very down on Lewis Hamilton's performance and his general pace. And on the Sky commentary, he was saying things like, normally you see his car dancing around where he seems very kind of downbeat today. But whenever he was getting past people, he was he was making good overtakes. I think um, it's easy to it's easy to read into that kind of thing. But I think you can be probably pretty certain that if Lewis Hamilton is driving that car, he's driving it as fast as it's possible to drive that car under the circumstances and any not dancing around or any any perceived um, lack of aggression or performance was purely down to what the car was capable of today um every i'm not just trying to um, blow smoke about lewis hamilton but he um if he's not doing the job there's a reason for it and i think today that was just as good as, as he could do with a slightly hobbled car from the back of the grid on that track Let's talk to Matt. Mr. Trumpets. 300 podcasts together, Matthew Trumpets. And now, finally, you have something to plug that isn't your wife's books. You have a very exciting project. 
That's true. I do have a very exciting project. Uh, I've been talking to the guitar player in my trio for a while, and we are getting ready to record our very first album. And I know you're sitting at home going, what could I possibly do to help out? Well, the answer is you can give us lots and lots of money because it turns out it's not a cheap thing to do. Anyway, um, I've got an Indiegogo page, Nightscapes, Matt Ragsdale and the City Line Trio. The pre-launch page is up. You can go there right now and give them your email and get a notice. This is you, Matt. I know it is. Is this the kind Child of thing? Warren, Todd Jones, amazing player. But is that, is that the kind of thing on your album? This will be the kind of thing. You can go You can go listen to us on SoundCloud now if you want to hear the demo tracks we recorded a couple of years ago. But this will be the kind of thing. But we're going to record originals, too. We've been writing music. So we would really absolutely appreciate any support that this audience would be willing to give. And the full page should be up and live tomorrow in time for your morning commute. Or mostly, mostly ready to go. Ready to go enough, shall we say. Low Stealth in the chat room says, is it trap music? And I think that means he's a northern gentleman. And to trap off is to make advances uh, to a lady of an evening and hope to spend more time with her. Is it that kind of music, Matthew? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yes. If that, 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 if, if that's that sells, what you mean, then that's what it will be. Yes. Okay. So absolutely. let's be very clear. Where should people go exactly to find out what you're doing and to support it? Um, you should go to Indiegogo and search Nightscapes, Matt Ragsdale and the City Line Trio. And that should take you to my pre-launch page. You could go do that right now from the live chat if you want. And by time this is out and people are listening to it tomorrow morning, the whole page should be up and running. And if you search it out, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a link that you can, that we can tweet about and post on everything to go find. It, it will be in the show notes for this episode at www.mistapexpodcast.com. Ryan, do you do anything anymore? Well, you know, apart from uh, dabbling in and out of here and in and out of uh, uh, downforce, you know, I'm still on the Twitters and stuff like that. And uh, next week, uh, I will hopefully be uh, helping uh, Downforce Radio towards what should have been last year's victory in the uh, Simply Race 24 Hours. Uh, you can uh, find me at ferretwoman 5 That is F-E-R-R-I-T-115. And that seems like a good time to plug our friends at... This is Downforce Radio, where a lot of us do shows such as E-Radio, Raise the Roof. Uh, Ryan and I appear semi-regularly on Pitboard. Uh, so go check out Downforce Radio if you want more motorsport things than just Formula One. So we move on to any other business, Matt. And as you alluded to earlier in the show, there was a lot of Renaults. I counted six over the course of the weekend. What on earth is going on with the non-Tag Heuer Renaults? Well, I would not really be sure, but it seems to be turbo or MGUH related. For the for the Toro Rosso's, it seemed to be entirely the turbos. And I think that was Ricciardo's problem as well. Uh, Hulkenberg seemed to have had more of an MGUH kind of problem because he got that real fun message. Uh, hey, Nico, maybe you should like, park the car because you know um the it's car like dangerous is not stop. safe oh make, make sure you don't touch the ground with one foot while the other foot is still on the car because you know who wants to go that way of all the ways you could die in a racing car being basically a short circuit to earth has got to be the worst ryan 
Well, I just find it funny that in, isn't it just like a trait of Renault throughout history that they no one's told them not to make turbos out of chocolate? It certainly has seemed a little bit fragile today, Chris. I thought today was going to be the day that Hulkenberg was going to pick up a podium, and I had a cheeky bet on him live in play, and it was it was minutes after I looked at that, you know the. The scoreboard, and I was looking up there, and I was going, "Well, Verstappen's going to be out. Uh, Bottas could easily fall down the the, the thing. Uh, Raikkonen's not going to be a threat." So I I put a cheeky bet on a Hulkenberg podium. Minutes later, he gets that. I mean, the guy can't buy a podium. You should know better by now. Back to the drawing board with you. But um, anyway, if anyone was going to get that podium, it would have been Ocon. But it seems to be a lot of turbo um, issues, as you were alluding to, Matt. The thing with this track is that, again, we have to talk about the altitude uh, because it, it puts more stress on the turbo. It means it's doing more of the work, as is the MG UK, because the internal combustion engine itself is uh, it's, it has less oxygen to, to make power. So that means you've got to rely on your other um, components. And for whatever reason, it's the, the Renaults that have been suffering um, the most with that it was definitely a turbo um issue for ricardo i believe it was mguh related for uh hartley as as well and all all new components as well because obviously ricardo and hartley were the ones who had the brand new turbo the brand new mguh and uh one other component that i can't remember off the top of my head that they had changed between qualifying and the race Bad news for your man, Brendan Hartley. And I know you only say your man because he is the first former uh, British rental cart racing champion, not champion, c- competitor to race in Formula One. Yeah, our boy, Brendan. I'm sure he doesn't remember us very well, <laughs> but um, but we remember him. Um, yeah, I've been keeping an eye on him, obviously. And he's been doing a great job, actually, hasn't he? He's been fighting his way from the back. Lots of Renault issues, and I was a bit disappointed when he was on the cusp of points in his second ever race. Um, he was running in eleventh, I believe, when when his car let go. Um, but it'll come good. I think he's got a seat there for next year now, hasn't he? I think he's he's done a decent yes. enough job with very little practice um, to to warrant a, a proper crack at it next year. But he's the same shape as you, Bradley, and that doesn't always strike you as a single-seater human driver shape, which is that he is like a spaghetti string, incredibly long and thin. He's a lot more of a spaghetti string than me, I can assure you. Um, but no, he's, he's, I don't think he's too tall, is he? He's about, about roughly normal for a single-seater driver, maybe slightly taller. But I think he'll be in that car next year, and I think he'll be, um, I think he'll be giving us some, some exciting moments. So me and Chris had a bit of an argument earlier on the old Twitters, didn't we, Chris? Because six failures for Renault, you're putting it the blame at the regulations and the unrealistic expectation to only have four of each component. I'm saying the rules were laid out there. Renault simply didn't want to give up the pace, have a reliable power unit that would have survived four of each thing and then looked slow. They would rather have looked as competitive as they are all season and then... When these penalties start coming in, they throw their hands up in the air and they say, look, look at these penalties, ruining it for Ricciardo, for Hulkenberg, for all your favourites. I think Renault have pulled a fast one on you, sir. I definitely am not blaming the the sport as as such, but I do think the sport has got a responsibility to accommodate 
the manufacturers when it was the sport pushing for this big technical complicated engine in in the first place really obviously it is down to the manufacturers to make something that that fits you know the regulations but i don't i, f- I feel like the sport needs to make some changes oh poor poor chris he's Stevens. bad isn't he he's do you, terrible do you remember do you remember whose regulations um whose idea these regulations were yeah i was gonna hint. it starts with the letter R. That's either Red Bull or Renault or coin toss. I'm going to say Renault. You would be very correct. They wanted they wanted basically this engine, but they wanted a, a turbo four, not a turbo six. And they pretty much said, we're leaving if you don't change. But who was the one who got their way and actually got what they wanted? It was Mercedes. Uh, actually, Ferrari didn't want the four. They wanted the six. As I heard the story. But Mercedes were pushing for the thing that Renault didn't want. New engine regulations? Or are you talking about the H? I'm, I'm talking about what we have now. It was Mercedes that were pushing for what we have right now. Do you know and what you've just done here, Chris? You've volunteered yourself for the next Trumpets time, where you can talk about ushering in the new era of these hybrid regulations and where you might like to see them go next. Well, fantastic, because I actually have you know ambition and hope that these new engine, engine regulations will fix this sport. Fantastic. I think it's been pretty good the way it is at the moment. Hashtag 44. Uh, Ocon seemed to blow third place pretty early on in the strategy, losing out to Kimi Raikkonen. Ericsson was on fire! He was literally he was on fire. But actually, fair play to the lad, Brad. He's out-qualified Verline the last three races. Yeah, I've been thinking this for some time. Verline's not doing a brilliant job of um, staking his claim on moving to a, a better team, is he? Um if you were Williams and one of your potential candidates for next year is is not out qualifying Ericsson, who who isn't you know the most highly rated driver in the world, although I think slightly unfairly, um, uh, Verline's not doing a stellar job. I don't know why. I, I thought the guy had real class and real pedigree, but he's struggling. I, I don't know. Maybe being in one of those cars right at the back of the grid that's really a bit of a no hoper. Um, affects your motivation slightly and yeah. maybe some of these guys if you saw them further up the grid they would just be digging that little bit deeper but anyway he needs to do a little bit better in the last couple of races as we've been saying a lot it is the ericsson curse no matter how hard you try somehow ericsson will find little bits to get away with it well i've been saying to matt for ages i think ericsson's got some weird like bribery leverage over f1 as a whole that's the only explanation i can put to his existence I reckon he's got some voodoo doll or something like in his cockpit or something. Or possibly the uh, new owner investor of the team uh, directly related to him. Look, let's face it. (laughs) Verline's on his way out at Sauber, almost certainly. And if you were Sauber, where would you be putting whatever financial eggs you had left? In the Ericsson basket. We saw uh, the first year um, with Palmer how much a difference having the same car can make. What we don't know and what I don't know is is exactly what kind of resources are being spent on on Verline versus uh, Ericsson at this point in the season. Excellent, guys. Let's move on to the podium. Wait, what? What am I up to, you say? Oh, well, you can catch up with me at Spanners Ready 
on the Twitters. Uh, always come and have a look at what we're doing at www.mistapexpodcast.com. And for fans of the last audiobook I did with uh, Beaumont and Beasley, The Beast of Tales End, the sequel is coming. It is coming very soon, and I'm very excited. So make sure you follow me at Spanners Ready for updates of what I'm going to be doing with the work of author Kyle Robert Schultz. Okay, so Formula One needs to come up with a definite thing that they are going to do when the world champion wins his title, but he's not on the podium. Because Chris, David Coulthard, love that guy. Love, love, love him. But that was the most awkward uh, post-race activity I've ever seen. I mean, you can't blame him. It it happens in every series I've ever watched. You know, the driver uh, will go and celebrate with his team. You can't you know, go and stick a microphone into his face the second he jumps out of the car, having just won the world championship. I think that is an unrealistic expectation of, uh, of, of the media. Um, to be honest, I think, you know, if you'd have given him 30 seconds to a minute, that whole thing would have gone a lot, a lot more smoothly. I know, right. I mean, you could tell that Lewis just wanted him to chat on for a bit and fill. And David Coulthard's there going, what, you want me to fill for you? Yes, that's what TV presenters do when there's a gap between the thing they want to do and the point in time and space that they are. I I think the idea was that they wanted to get his reaction, obviously, the moment he got out of the car. Because obviously, if he got out of the car uh, and like went and celebrated with the team, he might have slightly calmed down a bit. And so uh, all that sort of stuff. I I don't know. I, I it's just it was quite awkward and not particularly thought out no lance whipple great chat room name that's not your real name you see youtube and google have a real name policy i'm not going to report it on this occasion we'll skip the court martial lance whipple agrees that it was very very cringy as well i suppose it didn't help that lewis hamilton just bolted off in a random direction and it looked like a zombie horde chasing him and he eventually found the safety of david coulthard but chris those helmets are very complicated to take off Yes, incredibly. By the way, are you really going to call people out for fake names with a name like yours? I take Google's policies very, very seriously. Okay. All right. If, if, you, if you say so. Yes, no, they are, they are incredibly complicated to take on uh, and off. And yeah, I just think a little bit more time uh, of, of, you know, not just filler, but, you know, actually waiting for a dedicated media slot would have been better. Can we all just take a moment to appreciate how bad Lewis's donuts were? Um, because I was watching him drive slowly round, and I was saying to my fiance, "The donuts are coming. Just wait, wait till he finds a clear space. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. He's doing them. Oh, they're terrible. They were more okay. like croissants, they're, weren't they? They were kind of yeah. It was. It, you know, these guys can do good donuts. I don't know why. In the heat of the moment, they sometimes just don't they do them really badly and they end up just kind of whipping around in one direction going oh that didn't really work and then going back the other way and then obviously they, they can't do much much more than that because the engines are going to break and the team will kill them so. well, well my thought was he's holding a flag in his right hand how are these donuts gonna gonna work out you can you can do one-handed donuts just as easily as doing two-handed donuts so that's no excuse all right we're running short of time let's go on to thing of the weekend matt trumpets what is your thing of the weekend my thing of the weekend Ooh, it has to be the Alonzo Hamilton battle because it was for that championship point that made Vettel have to get second place to extend the race. And it was a thing of beauty. Bradley Philpott, what was your thing of the weekend? 
my thing of the weekend was the brief radio conversation between Max Verstappen and his engineer, where the engineer asked him to slow down and Max acknowledged. <laughs> and then the next lap, he said, Max, that was exactly the same time as the last lap. And he just went, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sparkles, also not your real name. Uh, what would you what would you like to give your thing of the weekend? I don't call myself Sparkles. Yeah, you do I'm... now. You do oh, now. You own it. I was going to see if uh, we could give that radio call kind of an opposite pony award if there is such a thing we can accommodate for this weekend. But my thing of the weekend is just going to be Max Verstappen in general. I think he did an astonishing uh, job and is, is properly, properly cementing himself now as as a future great. And I, I really hope that Red Bull can start the season next year as strongly as they've ended this one. Uh, okay, Chief... Uh, what we're going to call them, Chief Verstappen Fossey in the chat room, Dan Jury, says Max Lapping Hamilton is my thing of the year. Yeah, that was quite a sight to see. Uh, All right, then let's go to Ryan Ferret Ferris. What was your thing of the weekend? My thing of the weekend, and without probably like the best thing that happened on Sunday, had got to be the fan attempting to chase after Lewis Hamilton ending up dump tackling another fan. Saw it. Yeah. I like it when people fall down also. My thing of the weekend, Lewis Hamilton's mum. You could see when she, when he was going around the outside of Alonso that she was, you know, doing that face that we all recognize from our mothers. It doesn't matter that he's been doing it for quite a long time. Uh, she still was, you could see that she was very nervous about her baby in close contact going very, very fast. Bradley, you actually took your mum round the Nürburgring, did you not? Um, I've done it several times now, actually. Yeah, she's... Um, Does she tell you she, to slow down? No, she doesn't. She's very good, actually. I don't know whether it's because she doesn't quite appreciate how dangerous it is. I often, <laughs> often kind of, lots of people, I actually had one of the chief engineers of Renault, uh, sorry, oh, that was that was a real big faux pas of Peugeot Sport. Um, it's because I have my Formula One head on. I had one of the chief engineers of Peugeot Sport in the back seat um, of a lap earlier this year. And we got to the third corner on the Nordschleifer and he told me to slow down. I'm being serious. Slow down right now. My mum just sits there and just goes, yeah. Well done, darling. That was great. Like It's like she's completely unaware of the danger. Yeah, so I have taken my mum around. My mum whinges at me if I go at the speed limit. Right. I don't suppose you could have your mum give my wife and the rest of my family some lessons about sitting in the passenger seat, could you there, Bradley? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, she's the only only person that um, I've experienced like that. The, the majority of people, my fiancé included, um, aren't quite so... Um, they're not quite such good passengers. Although I'm being a little unfair, if you do take a look at my YouTube channel, um, one of the most popular videos is Girlfriend's First Ride Around the Nürburgring. So take a look at that. She's quite good on that one. I'm not typing that into my search bar. <laughs> We'd be great passengers, Bradley, just to let you know. You should come out. If you come out to one of the races, then you can come on onto the um, Tourist and Farton after the race or the next day, and I will drive you around for a lap. And whatever we happen to have, I've been around there and Skoda City goes all the way up to... Um, obviously all the race cars so come come out or even your own car give me the keys to your car i'll give you a ride i don't own a car um if you want if you want to help me get there then i'll happily do it chris is poor okay. and uh you could probably jump in with brad on the way down there i'm sure yeah exactly we'll, we'll sort that out all right we've got a show to do we're not just uh feeding chris's ambitions to go motorsport racing uh we've got the bad award this is the bad one matt the apex tree face wants to know who missed the apex for you matt trumpets 
Ooh, um, well, this is a toss-up between uh, all of the FIA and their forward thinking on what if Lewis Winston is off the podium. But I really think I'm going to have to give it to uh, good old Viri and the Renault engines. Five of their six cars did not see the end of the race. That has to be some kind of record. Definitely. The chat room, Korku Anoma, thing of the weekend, kid singing the national anthem. That kid had cojones. And I suppose we should also mention the fact that the whole of Mexico and that organization stood pretty stoically against what Mother Nature had to throw at them to make sure that event went ahead. So I hope everyone in Mexico had a good day and enjoyed that Grand Prix. Chris, who missed the apex for you? I'm going to say the obvious one, Sebastian Vettel. Darn, that was mine. And, you know, kind of just for the season as well. You know, he's he's had some pretty grand chances this season. And today was another one of them. And he let it slip. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him some responsibility for Singapore. Certainly, he threw away pointlessly the win in Baku. Pointlessly. There was nothing to be gained by what he did. Um, and then today, you have to say... That was most likely his error as well. And then, you know, it's a team sport and Ferrari have done their fair share as well. They've conspired not to lose it, but they've conspired to make sure that they didn't have a fair run. And we could be facing one of the all-time great season runnings. Uh, Bradley Philpot, who missed the apex for you? I was going to be specific about um, one of the Renault failures, but since Matt's already covered that, I'm going to say that the um, the circuit missed the apex by being a little bit rubbish um just just didn't really have the right kind of combination of corners to to give us brilliant racing all the time i think the drivers made up for it there was some there was some nice fighting through the field but on the whole the track yeah. missed the apex it was me. rescued by the fact that two championship leaders in fast cars were at the back and had the delta yeah. to make it look interesting but that stadium section you can completely understand why as a spectacle it's there but all it serves to do is have a little narrow bit that feeds people out onto the onto the uh, back straight sorry the, the home straight in intervals that kill racing further down the track i agree ryan sebastian vettel's fire extinguisher <laughs> okay i missed that what explain that there was uh he was it just went off in his car supposedly yeah and uh so yeah he was uh complaining of a burning sensation <laughs> I was worried for him actually when he said that there's some acid or something in the car and he carried on driving I was actually genuinely concerned for him so I was glad it was just a fire extinguisher now time for my favourite award Daddy I want a pony and I want it now curse my wife for talking in the background of when I was recording that you can just hear her muttering away in the corner unfortunately I didn't catch the sporadic two-second intervals for which he is sometimes silent. However, my Pony Award has to go to Lewis Hamilton, unfortunately. Not, you know, just in general. People will jump on his radio messages. Lewis Hamilton doesn't care if people are listening to him or not or whether what he's saying sounds impetuous or uh, uh, impatient. But this one in particular was just fantastic. Do you remember, you guys might remember, when I went full parent mode on Chris Stevens but I edited it out of both the YouTube video and the audio. And uh, I think I said to Chris, Chris, I am talking like I do to my children. Uh, but Lewis Hamilton, he's asking for, I can't remember what he was asking for now. He was asking for the position of Vettel and whether the Ultrasofts could make it to the end of the race. And when he didn't get an answer back, he said, when I ask a question, I expect an answer. And that, that betrayed 
definitely betrayed some uh, deverish qualities that are going on in the background. I would say, understandably, uh, given you know the championship of Formula One was on the line, no less. Uh, but Matt, that struck me as uh, whew, somewhat fruity. Yeah, he was definitely. You could you could tell he was under a whole lot of pressure, and 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 was worried about pretty much all of the things. But to be fair, if you ask me, I, I might have to give the award to Vettel just for his uh, defense of his completely off-track path of Massa. Yeah, he he turns it around completely in a Trumpish way, doesn't he? He's like, no, no, you're fake news. No, you did a thing off the track. Yeah, absolutely. So that that was my vote for uh, Pony. Any other ponies from the panel? I've got a pony. Um, general poor defending into the first corner, or just not bothering. There were a couple of cars that I thought had a good chance of keeping Vettel behind them um, at certain points. I think it was Stroll was one that I was... Uh, I might be wrong. Anyway, I, I remember a couple of times just kind of exclaiming in um, disappointment that they just kind of let the driver through. Now, I know in some cases it's inevitable and someone in a Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel, is going to probably pass you. But there was some where there was definitely a chance to fight them off in a similar manner to the way Alonso tried really hard to fight Hamilton off. And I didn't appreciate the the lack of attempted defence into turn one. But that is some people. that is Stroll's MO, though, isn't it? If he goes gently, gently and stays out of trouble, then he picks up points on the attrition. That That's really the only way he's made any dent in this season. I might be being unfair to Stroll there, by the way. I can't remember if it was definitely him, but there was, there was certainly some just kind of leaving the door wide open and no attempt at defence when there was actually something to fight for. I appreciate sometimes the best thing is just to let the guy go, but these weren't those cases. I think Massa did it to Hamilton as well. He sort of parked it up on the inside line and gave Hamilton loads of room around the outside, but he didn't do anything other than a, a kind of show of it's my inside line. He didn't fight him beyond that. Uh, I possibly say pony wise you could possibly say uh verstappen's sort of demeanor and attitude uh to the press uh coming into the weekend but then what made it even better was the fact that the most of friday was getting stalked by a mariachi band oh wow do you know what i have often thought the best revenge would be to pay a mariachi band to follow my enemies around for an extended period of time And I think that is probably the perfect note to end on if it wasn't for the fact that, Matt, we still have to decide who gets this week's Comment of the Week. Well, you have surprised me by remembering. Score. Absolutely. Um, So, going from back to front, Verline is doing a horrible job at not being 25 years old. How dare uh, he? Why can't he just be slightly older? Although I am hearing that that not, might not be quite as concrete as we think it is. Be interesting. I'm really dying for this Williams decision, although we have now a lot of time to talk about it from here till the start of next season. Um, if Verline was destroying Ericsson, this wouldn't even be a question about the 25 years. So I don't think it's uh, I don't think they actually mind that much if the driver's good enough. Nope, indeed. And that was low stealth, by the way, with that comment. John Sutis, podcasts are the best way to promote music these days, not radio. Matt, you can't just do comment of the week that either agrees with the point you made or directly benefits you. Yellow card. I think he was mocking me because I should be promoting music on the radio, not on a podcast. But okay. Put us on the radio. Someone, someone put Missed Apex on the radio. 
And I don't know, this one could be a real contender. Rob Graham with that would have been the biggest F1 shock ever when talking about Hulkenberg. If he'd got a podium, true story. And Lowestealth again in with the shout, Fernando, quote, Gandalf Alonso, you shall not pass. I don't mind that at all. Do you have a decision, wise Sir Trumpets? Ooh, goodness gracious. Um, going all the way up to the top real quick because you sound like you're in a hurry. I think we're going to have to go with Rob Graham, and that would have been the biggest F1 shock ever. Rob Graham is from Canada. You are welcome, eh? Comment of the week. Nice one, buddy. Make sure you follow the podcast at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter and join us for a Trumpets Time, Matt. Come on, stop teasing us. When's the next Trumpets Time? I have to talk to my favorite Trumpets Time guest, but you know, it would be kind of cool to do something once we hear the big press conference. So we'll try and make that happen. What big press conference do you mean? Or the next set of regulations on October 31st, you know, those things. So have you just stolen summer's tech time and co-opted that into Trumpets time? Uh, I refuse (laughs) to comment. Also, your race reviews are uh, on summer's website. Yes, yes, they are. You can go find them. In fact, the current one is already up, even as we speak. And uh, both the quality and race reviews go up on summersf1.co.uk, along with his brilliant look at what the uh, what the changing regulatory landscape might mean for Formula One in the future, by the way. So read that too. Absolutely. It's great stuff. Great artwork on that article. Thank you to our guests, Chris, Rainbow Sparkle Stevens, Ryan Ferret Ferris, Bradley No Nickname Philpot. Join us next Sunday. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. It's a great costume, Brad, but you do know that every time you moved, it shows up on your super-duper new Yeti microphone. Look, I'm just bitter because your costume's so much better than my token effort face paint. Well, my costume, oh, was it making a noise? I couldn't hear it through my, I was trying to stay deadly still and I tried to pause it every time, sorry, mute it. Every time I went to mute, it would make more noise. So I just tried to sit really still. Look, I was going to suggest that you nickname him background noise. Jeansy, yeah, jeans, Bradley Jeansy Philpot, I was going to call you. This is the thing, you give me a (laughs) hypersensitive microphone and then complain that it actually records noise. About racing drivers and background noise. Were you calling Jeansy a racing driver? Well, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he put on his Twitter profile that he was Miss Apex racing analyst. So I've just been rolling with that. No, he's all right. He's like, I don't know. I didn't win the race. It's like, yeah, but that's like you need to you need to be light enough to win the race. So he's on a. I'm, I'm trying to kick him back onto like a healthy. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.